got the moonlighting. That would have been funny, yeah. Megan. Megan and I playing footsie under the table accidentally. We are recording now, though. So, oh. <laughs> well, it's no secret. Yes. Well, welcome back, uh, listeners. It is a uh, wet, somewhat dreary day, and that's perfect because it is Halloween week I when love this is it. coming out. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a thriller of a show for you today. Um, but first, I have a question, dear listeners. Uh, do you hear whispers? If so, you should turn up the volume of this podcast because this is something that needs to be heard at uh, at full volume, preferably. Maybe not. Full I mean, volume, you know, take care of your audio systems. Yes. Yeah. As loud uh, but, as you can handle. Yeah, and your eardrums. But if you've been hearing some eerie bumps and creaks during your travels recently, we know someone who might have the backstory. So who are we going to call? Jeff Provine, <laughs> the writer behind the Haunted Oklahoma book series and ghost tours, and foremost expert on all things paranormal in the Sooner State. But first, a word from our sponsor. You are called to be bold. You have a right to the best wireless service, high-speed internet, and customer service at a price that you can feel good about. At Bravado Wireless, we know this, and that's why we put you and your community first. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Okay, so we don't always have fire handy here at the Oklahoma Today office, but one thing we do always have is stories. So for this week, uh, question of the week was, what is your favorite story to tell or your favorite ghost story to tell around the campfire? And uh, editor-in-chief Nathan Gunter. Um, the story of the camper who wouldn't shut up and got thrown into the campfire. <laughs> no, um, it's got to be the one I grew up with, which is Dead Woman's Crossing. Mm, um, yes. It kind of has everything. Like, it has a ghost and a haunting, but it also has a real-life murder that remains unsolved to this day and does, still doesn't have an answer that I find personally satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't have a great suspect, and it does have something every story should have, which is a character named Mrs. Ham. Yes. <laughs> so, um, no, it's a, it's a great, it's a great it's murder mystery. Me. It's not, it's right. not Megan. Um, yeah, so it's a really good ghost story, and it has. I think it's it's really great because it's rooted in something that actually happened. Yes, um, that's one I, of the premier uh, ghost stories in all of Oklahoma. Yeah, before, really. yeah, I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. And to have grown up around the corner from it was really cool. So that Dead Woman's Crossing. So when was the first time you'd heard that story? Oh, there's no way to know. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, like it goes back before I have memories. Yeah, yeah. So you screw up. Yeah, known. yeah. It was like uh, you know a mile away. So mm-hmm. um, I always knew about it. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Carly. And all of their old noses grew back. <laughs> Every time I think of a ghost story, that is the first thing I think of. No, my favorite is um, about basketball players staying at the Skirvin and being uh, yes. so scared right. that they refuse to stay there yeah. because basketball players are usually like big, you know, dudes mm. and everything. So them being afraid of, you know, a little ghost is so funny to me. Yes. Yeah, funny. I especially uh, like it when the Nets blamed their loss on the ghost. <laughs> A bunch of pansies. <laughs> That's the best excuse for. I know, I right? The ghost we kept us tired. Whatever. Yes. Um, you don't hear about that as much anymore, I guess, because um, maybe there's some other uh, hotels that they're staying at. Like, um, yeah. I think maybe they stay at 21C sometimes. Not that I'm encouraging anyone to go see the visiting teams ever. <laughs> but, uh, um, photo editor Megan Rossman. Um, I had a trouble thinking of something until 
I realized that uh, I have a ghost story. Oh, that okay. is you probably do. You're going to tell all of it right now? Um, yes. I was staying at a hotel in West Salem Springs because um, we were going to photograph Natural Falls State Park in the morning. And I woke up at 4.53 a.m. I remember I looked at the clock and then I looked up and there was a man standing at the foot of my bed. And I was horrified. And I was like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. I'm going to have to deal with this. I have a hotel room intruder. And I slammed my hand down on the bed and went, get out. And then he shuddered and sort of faded from my view. And I, it sounds like, and I did not go back to sleep. I was, like, freaked out. I was like, what just happened? Um, And I know I sound like a crazy person. And it, it was probably some kind of sleep hallucination or I don't know. Yeah, but this has been a sleep paralysis. Yeah, like who I'm just like, but if I the interesting thing was, was there was never that moment where I like transitioned and was like, oh, I'm awake now, you know, which usually I have. I have sleep paralysis, which is what makes me think it. Anyway, this I feel like this is going on. It's a on good for story. A no, time, it's a really but, good story. It's a really good story. There's no nephew, way of knowing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was just really it was so weird like I called the hotel later and was like have you ever had anyone like report seeing this like because I was like if I ever saw a ghost in my life it was that evening or that morning and my nephews love this story (laughs) it's a good story their parents have heard them like playing (laughs) like in their rooms and being like get out (laughs) in the same voice oh man they yes it made a big impression on them so it's it's a story that my family likes to hear it's a good story and i very i think it's fun but i do i am like i i sound unhinged when i tell it i fear i mean i think you're just telling what happened yeah that's uh, that's how a good ghost story goes i mean i think the teller has to sound i mean yeah yeah. it has to sound like it drove you a little mad no it's like i it was so detailed like you know just down to the clothes that this man was wearing like it it's it were they like period clothes like did he have like, did no. he look like he was from an era? Well, no. I mean, he was wearing like a short sleeve, like orangey blue plaid shirt and jeans and had like white hair, longish white hair. You know, he that, is a, kinda, that is an, an amazing amount of detail. For no, like I, I know it was. That was why I was just like, there is a person in this room and I can't believe it. And then they disappeared, which was great. It worked out great for, for your me. life. Yeah. 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 They yeah. didn't say anything, did they? No, no. Because when I yelled at them, he just kind of like put his hand over his like head, like he was sort of shudder, you know, like hiding from me. And then it was like a magic eight, like I couldn't, I couldn't see him anymore. He just kind of disappeared, and I, I was like, "Well, wow, that was freaky." I would love to stay at that hotel and see it. I don't know if I could sleep if I went back to that hotel. I like, definitely couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So mm, weird. Very tough one. Anyway, wow. it, it was very, it was a very fine hotel. This is the best campfire I've been to in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> ben, yes. what's, you, what do you, what's your favorite story to tell? So this is one that 
I heard time and time again as a kid, and maybe you all have heard it too. I think it's like pretty popular in the um, in uh, campfire story uh, lore. Um, but did you ever hear the story about the uh, like the hook uh, killer, the the hook man, yes. the hook hand yes. killer? Yeah, yes. that's a good one. So uh, I first heard that story maybe when I was like in the fifth grade or something, okay. and uh, it was like I was at a camp and our counselor, camp counselor, was telling the story, <laughs> and you know an adult tells you a story and says it's a true story. I mean, you gotta you, you're gonna believe that's a true story. Um, but for those who aren't familiar, I mean, I don't. I think the details change a little bit always, but it's usually something along the lines of, uh, from what I remember, a uh, a killer of some kind has uh, broken out of uh, prison or maybe or something. Mental institution. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very, there's variations of it, and um, that this couple hears about it uh, maybe on the radio or something, and then um, while they're uh, in their car, like somewhere dark at night, um, they have to stop and they're attacked by this killer, I guess. And eventually, I don't know how this happens, but eventually there's a hook on the rearview mirror or something. Yeah. Uh, I, thought it was I, on the, remember. I remember it being on the door handle. Like, they were hearing sounds okay. and mm-hmm. they, like, kept, like... Yes. And they, like, drove away or something. And when they got where they were going and they were they felt like they were safe, they got out and the hook was, like, hanging on the door handle. Yes. That's, how I, that's how I remember it, but it's been so long that I don't, I don't Well, and I think now. that there is all these different little slight variations yeah. of the story. Um, but, but it, yeah, it, it's great because this is one of those stories that I feel like happened to everyone's cousin. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, well, I believe that was a true story for so long until uh, I started hearing it. I heard it again at a, a camp and then I heard it again and again. And I was like, well, all these stories are not they have their little inconsistencies. Right. I don't know if this stands up. Huh? Um, yes. I like that one. Did you guys ever have the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Those had the best stories in them, um, but like a lot of the ones I was thinking, like I was thinking of when I was thinking of this, like they don't they don't hold up. Like the one about the call is coming from inside the house. Oh, yeah. like that could not happen now, uh-huh. right? Like you couldn't reverse call the operator and be mm-hmm. like, "Who's calling me?" Right? Like anyway, so many scary stories wouldn't work with cell phones. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Just call them on your cell phone. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what was the um? What was the story with uh? You all are the Star Trek fans. Uh, what? Who was the um first? Uh, Lieutenant in um, uh, Next Generation. What's his name? Bearded guy. Riker. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you remember the sci-fi show? Uh, like oh, Factor. Yes. Beyond, Beyond Belief. Factor. Factor. Beyond yeah. Belief. Yes. Oh, I love that. Oh show. yeah, that show. Was, now that was a show. That was like a. That was basically my ghost stories for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They had some really creepy stories, but then at the end they would be like, "There is some truth to this," and then they tell the story, and it's like, "Okay, but there was like a person, and they were there." And right. that is, like, the only fact part yeah. of it. But it was still really entertaining. Or, like, Unsolved Mysteries and Robert Stack and his creepy mm. voice. Yes. That theme song, I have it on my Halloween playlist because oh, it unsettles me. It absolutely is hear. a source of childhood <laughs> trauma. Yeah. I love any ghost show that involves reenactors. Like, I think that would be the <laughs> yeah. most fun job ever to be, like, to play, like, you know, the the angry ghost or, like, the skit, you know, yeah. just any The best part about Unsolved Mysteries is that where whenever they could, they got the actual people to do the acting and the reenactment. Uh-huh. So it was always really, really, really bad. Yeah. Because they weren't actors. I love it. Oh, like they'd be like, what is that? 
in the sky. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <clears throat> yeah. and then they'll like cut to the interview part, and they're like, "I was screaming and crying." I'm like, "Were you?" <laughs> so it's always really yes. funny. Uh, classic show. I love so. that show. I love that show. Readers, you didn't. You got to tell us what your favorite ghost story is. You got to get back on the on the socials and tell us. Yes, you will. Uh, especially now that this is coming out, it's still Halloween. So I know it's our Halloween special. Perfect time for ghost stories. It really is, and the perfect person to tell us ghost stories. Yes, uh, great transition. Thank uh, you. Now that we're so all properly much. spooked, uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk to Jeff Provi. I'm so excited about this. It's our Halloween special, so we are. Delighted to welcome Mr. Spooky Oklahoma, him very self, the amazing, one of my favorite Oklahomans, Mr. Jeff Provine. Jeff, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, like I said, when we were doing prep a minute ago, um, this this episode is kind of my Simpsons Halloween special of the podcast. So I want to talk about some of the best Oklahoma ghost stories that, you know, Um, there's a lot of them. It's a oh my very, gosh. it's a very spooky and weird place to call home. <laughs> yeah. And not just because of I-35. <laughs> well, traffic is uh, outside of my bounds because that is too scary for me. That's right. Oh my some gosh. Things, some things you just shouldn't look into directly into. Um, <laughs> I guess before we get started with that, I want to know how you came about this interest in well, all things spooky Oklahoma, because you've done, you have a resume around this stuff that is so cool. Um, and I want to talk about that too, because you've got a lot of very cool projects and you've written some books and um, you really have staked out a space for this, uh, staked out a name and a reputation for this as being the kind of the go-to person for all these things um, and very well done. And so I'd like to know how this all started for you. Uh, well, I mean, I've always liked spooky stuff, uh, which uh, a lot of people talk about being sensitive and being able to see spirits and so forth. I got none of that. Uh, yeah. Like every once in a while I might get a vibe or something, but that could just be, you know, too much carbon monoxide or something. Um, so I think that it's more, uh, kind of the, the what's going on, like, what's the story here? Why, yeah. why, why are some people ghosts and not other people ghosts and, and all that, um, so I created we very much about this last week at work because I had a sort of a creepy thing happen at my house, which I've never had anything happen at all. Oh, wow. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. Like I heard some knocking on a door behind me and it was kind of freaked me out. But also it was very yeah. windy that day is that day. It was real windy anyway. Yeah. So God knows what it was. But uh, we were talking about this the other day and I said, you know, it's not that I am a I, like I do consider myself a skeptic when it comes to this stuff, but it's not like an adversarial skepticism. It's what you just said. It's like it raises all of these things, raise so many questions in my mind that I get lost in them. Yeah. Which, I mean, if you have some weird knocks going on, you can always burn a candle and and maybe that'll chase the evil spirits away, or maybe that will make your house settle a lot more slowly. So it doesn't have knocks as one piece. Unless there's something I can burn to make it. So my house wasn't built in 1941. I'm not sure there's much hope. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious. Have you, have you had some of these experiences? Did you have some of them or is this just something that interests you from a different kind of a different perspective? It is very much I'm, I'm on the folklore research side, okay. so I've tagged along with a few teams uh, doing their investigations, which uh, doing a series investigation is very methodical and you have to be very, very quiet and you want to make sure you can minimize all other things that could potentially be spooky. Yeah. Uh, and so nothing's happening. So I'm bored and then stuff starts happening and I start freaking out and um, <laughs> Some things have happened. I, I had a really good time at the Moore Lindsay house in Norman. Uh, they had uh, Valkyrie Paranormal out there 
And uh, they invited me out. It was super generous of them. And I said, oh, I've got a ghost tour that night. And they said, oh, it'd be great. You know, just come in later. Just text us first so that, you know, we don't somebody doesn't knock at the door and everybody starts screaming or anything. <laughs> right. Uh, and they said they were having a really great night with all kinds of interaction and they were using dowsing rods. That's kind of their method of communication. Oh. And they could get them to point at different people and like all kinds of really cool interaction. And then when I got there, everything just died off just eh. real, real low and quiet and so forth. And um, they took a break and uh, had some stuff go on. And, and but then they were never quite back to that level where they were having all this communication and things. And then the ghost box says, cast out the writer. Yeah, which typically you say you know, two words, but like a whole thing. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to bed. And so see you, see you later. And I headed out. And, and then one later, I, I emailed them a thank you note saying, hey, thanks for, you know, for having me out. And, stuff. and they said, oh, you should have stuck around. Like all this stuff started happening as soon as you left. And like, I don't think it would have. I don't think uh, Agnes is the big ghost they talk there. I don't think she wants people airing her laundry out mm. writing. So. So don't tell her I told you. But. <laughs> Agnes, if you're a listener to the podcast, uh, be nice to Jeff. He's a good guy. Don't kick him out. <laughs> that's right. He's it is guy. her house, though, so I can't. All right. Can't well, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, I guess even ghosts get to have boundaries. But yeah. Um, what are some of the... Yeah, wh I, I'm curious about this, too. Like, you talk about these... I think one of the things that fascinates me about all this stuff, especially, you know, I'm fascinated by like the YouTube videos, the ghost hunters, all that stuff, oh, even yeah. as someone who's a really serious skeptic, like I just, I think they're fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I don't take them very seriously, but they're fun. You know, I like a good jump scare. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I'm interested. I'm especially in you being on the kind of the folklore and almost socio sociological side of it. I'm really interested in how this, our culture has this sort of, <clears throat> I don't use this word pejoratively, but like a mythology around these things that is weirdly consistent across all this ghost hunter genre of videos and TV shows. And I think that's fascinating because there's no organized religion around it, but like there's so little difference in what people believe. Like yeah, there's like something going uniformity on. of theology without any kind of institutional backing behind it is fascinating to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I do think that's a big indication that there is something going on, mm. uh, which I mean, that's, a nice thing to hear, right? It's not just, you know, we're meat robots that walk around and then switch off. But like there's there is something deeper to all of this, which uh, I find comforting. Some people uh, do you think that's what most people care find fa so fascinating about all this stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if we're all going to pass away, then, you know, where are we going to go? Like what? Yeah. What, what is the rules and why are some people still sticking around? Um, or we talk about other things out there, right? So uh, they talk about nature spirits and uh, just some people call them interdimensional spirits, just these thing, angels and demons and stuff that don't have human bodies, but can get in and, and mimic things, which I think there are a lot of stories where uh, you hear the folklore and it has some kind of historical context, but then some things don't fit. And, you know, maybe something slips in there and uh, starts feeding off that energy and pretends to be the little girl ghost and takes on forms and knocks people's glasses over and all this stuff. But um, maybe it's not really her and it's just something else um, trying to exist. Yeah, I don't know. It's none of my business is kind of how I feel about it. Like, there you go. Right? Just <laughs> if I can't let it see be you, until it's my turn. If I can't see you, it's none of my business what you need. Um, I probably can't help anyway. Um, yeah, but what are what are some of the you've been doing this for a while? Um, 
I want to talk a little bit too about like you you've been on and I got to be on an episode with you guys of Tales Unveiled, which is a great mm-hmm. podcast that y'all that you have with Dennis Spielman. Um, and thank you guys for letting me come do that. That was really fun. Oh, wow. uh, but you've got you've written books. You've got like talk a little bit about kind of give us a little bit of your resume. So if people want to learn more uh, about what you do, they can they can go find you. Yeah, well, jeffprovine.com's got links to to everything and uh Ghost tours are the big thing. Uh, usually downtown Norman and downtown Oklahoma City are the big ones. And periodically I do one for Shawnee and help out with the uh, ghost tour at OU. Which those is are, those are listeners should know those are year round. They're, this is a big time of year for that kind of stuff. But it, you do this year round, right? Yeah, I tried to do March through November, kind of while the weather's decent out. Yeah. Excited to get out and, and hear some spooky stories. Uh, but all year round, too, books. Um, I got started at OU doing a tour there. And in 2012, we got on the news and had 150 people show up. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which, which is a big tour. Too too big, really. Um, <laughs> but after that, um, uh, Arcadia, my first publisher, reached out and said, hey, you have these ghost stories. We have this haunted line. You should write for us. And I'm like, well, that's what my degree's in. So, of course, I should. And um, so OU and then Norman and uh, teamed up with Tony McCoy, who's a paranormal investigator and has a lot of firsthand accounts herself, um, did one for Guthrie, Oklahoma City and Shawnee. And then I grew up outside of Enid, so teamed up with Tammy Wilson, who does a ghost tour up there uh, for the uh, Haunted Garfield County and Ooh. all the legends that um, I knew some of them growing up there. But then there were so many more that once you start digging, they're just everywhere. What were some of the ones that what were some of your earliest ones that you know about that you grew up with? Because, like, you know, I grew up on the block with Dead Woman's Crossing. Like that was. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was my hood. Right. Like I literally lived around the corner. My hood It was in the country. I lived around the corner from there uh, my whole childhood growing up. And so it was like right there. And I knew about it my whole life. And from my house, you could hear drunk college students down there trying to agitate the ghost and, um, you know, all, all kind of stuff. So what were some of the ones that you grew up with? Uh, the big one up in Enid is uh, the legend of John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, I so, love this story. Tell tell a quick version of the story for listeners. So a quick version of the story is that um, there was a house painter uh, who came into Enid and he uh, was really, really sick. But uh, so he asked for a priest and came in and priest came in and um, he died shortly afterward. And the guy was like, you know, this is quite a character like he, you know hobo dude wandering from town to town uh but he would like do shakespearean soliloquies for beers like if anybody's like hey buy me beer and I'll, I'll entertain you guys for a half hour and just do all this crazy stuff and the priest finally said you know i shouldn't really say this but like he told me the weirdest story that he was john wilkes booth and he'd been on the run for 40 years and all this and people were like well you know he's he's just a weirdo and so they um nobody came to claim the body initially and the um uh, they actually stuffed him real good and stuffed him so full of arsenic that his body is probably still out there somewhere in a collector's. But um, they have photos of him up through the 1940s. Wow. It does kind of look like a grown up uh, John Wilkes Booth, which is pretty weird. But the really weird he part was an actor some- and would have been able to yeah. do Shakespearean. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so somebody come up from ten- from Tennessee after they saw this guy's uh, bit in the newspaper and said, hey, I've been looking for this dude. He owes me money. Also, he skipped town after he had really bad uh, food poisoning and um, told me this crazy story about being John Wilkes Booth. And then uh, got that dealt with. And then a little bit later, a lawyer from Texas comes up to Enid and says, I was this guy's lawyer and he got really sick one time, thought he was going to die and told me this whole story about being John Wilkes Booth. And uh, over and over, which that lawyer was um, Kathy Bates, the actress, her grandfather. And he wrote oh, a big weird. book about it. And he actually got legal custody of the body and went around and did a whole circus act with it and all this. 
Yeah. So the legend is that he'd come up to Enid since we didn't have an official cemetery at the time. So that if he was ever buried, like no one would be able to find him. It'd just be a pauper's grave somewhere. Wow. But uh, instead, a heck of a way to choose a place to live. Yeah. (laughs) Dang, that's amazing. Like, yeah. And but now the body has gone. My understanding is the body is missing and no one knows quite where he is now. But yeah, it doesn't appear to have ever been buried. Yeah, it's illegal to uh, trade human bodies now, which is yeah. a good law. I, th- I think I'm OK. Yeah, no, I think that's wise. Yeah, let's keep yeah. that on the books. So but there are a lot of private collectors out there, which, you know, there's grandfathered in. So it's it's some in somebody's attic somewhere that they're going to undig someday and we'll see what happens to it. Um, oh, yeah. I'm but glad, that, uh, I'm glad there's literally no chance that's anyone in my family. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to report that there's no chance of that being any of my relatives. So that's good. Um, what are some of the ones maybe you didn't grow up with, but what are some of the ones that kind of are the most popular that people ask you about the most? The cemetery story is actually kind of a cool really? bit. Um, yeah, because most towns did kind of move their cemeteries over the early days, which is a terrible idea. Like the movie Poltergeist shows why this is a terrible idea. And yeah. Um, so Norman did this, Oklahoma City did this, Edmund did this, every Guthrie did this. They just moved cemeteries and every single one of them's got all kinds of crazy stuff attached to where it used to be down in Bricktown, um, corner of Maine and Barry and Norman, um, where they have a marker for the people who may still be buried here and all that. Uh, in Enid, they got it set up and then they decided, um, well, for a long time they didn't have it and they, um, had a private cemetery for a while and then a public cemetery and then the school cemetery where a lot of people would sneak in and go get, go just bury their family members without really like telling people because like, you know, there's a lot of fees and stuff and it was on school grounds. So it was technically federal property while we were a territory. Oh no. And like the red, the, the paperwork you'd have to do to like, disinter somebody with all this crazy so finally they closed down the other two cemeteries and just have the big one on the north side of town where i have family members buried and they disinterred who they could find and the legend is that they brought over part of zip wyatt they could the famous outlaw they couldn't find all of him but but they brought over some pieces and the rest of him is still hanging out there in what is now champlin park I kind of hope that's true, actually, because that's cool. But uh, listeners can't see my face, but I'm making a face that says <laughs> gross. <laughs> I mean, if you can't find him, I'll just leave him. Yeah. yeah. Like well, they say there's thumb. cowboys out there walking around uh, in the park at night, which I mean, it's Enid. So people wear cowboy hats. But yeah. But every once in a while, somebody will say that guy was really tall. And you know who else was really tall? Zip Wyatt. It's weird. Maybe. Weird. Um. Are there places because I, I can think of a few places that are kind of notoriously supposedly haunted in Oklahoma that you kind of can't go. Right. Like um, the place out on Northeast 23rd is the top of mind place. The old asylum slash hospital. Oh, yeah. St. Vincent's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. St. Vincent's, which is on private property and you can't go and um, there's signs and stuff. But are there places that people that are people can go that kind of have this history and this reputation that. Uh, that you kind of enjoy, like I'm thinking of like the Stone Lion Inn in Guthrie, you know, you can oh, go yeah, stay there and they do those murder mysteries and stuff, but um, lots of visitors have reported seeing and hearing things there. So are there other destination places that you like to go? Absolutely. Yeah. Which the new series I've been working on with Dennis Spielman, that's uh, just now coming out, uh, um, visiting haunts, which yeah. that's what we're targeting as places that are famously haunted and you can go check it out for yourself. That's awesome. So Stone Lion Inn was a big one. Uh, yeah. the Overholzer Mansion here in Oklahoma City, which yeah. uh, is doing ghost investigations. Yeah. 
borrow the equipment and do do things and chat with Mrs. Overholzer, uh, who's apparently a very good hostess. I, uh, they, they said they've never been disappointed with an investigation. <laughs> it's nice that she's so obliging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To help she, people out. That's a person. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, what do you think? If someone, you know, like these kinds of things are popular and, you know, people like to go do them. Um, if someone did want to go do something like this and like kind of hang out and try to like, are there things that you should do? Like if you kind of want to go somewhere and you want to have, you're hoping to have one of these experiences, are there things that people say to do? Or like, is it just kind of, it ha- if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you don't really have any control over it. Right. Yeah. Which the, I mean, nobody knows the full rules on it. Some people right. say it has to do with uh, moon cycles and like how much electricity is prevalent and weather and like all this, this stuff. So I, I don't know the exact of it all. Sure. Um, and there's people like uh, the ghost adventurers and who are that are like, oh, you need to antagonize the ghost so you can have a real, real good thing. But like, don't go into people's houses and antagonize them. I don't care if they're living or dead. That's just a jerk move. Yeah. And there was some video I saw at some point that was I think I think the guy was Chinese, like in China. And uh, the, apparently part of the mythology there is that you should scream and curse at ghosts. And so some of the stuff he was yeah. I was like, I just doesn't seem like a good idea to like say things about someone's mother, but you can't see them. Yeah. Just get rid of them. Like it just felt kind of unsafe to me and it gave me anxiety. Um, I think this is so fascinating. Like, where do you think, cause a lot of these stories too are very ancient, you know, like we have a lot from oh, yeah. like the, you know, I mean, Oklahoma in terms of like world history is pretty young, right? Like it's a pretty young place. And we, after a hundred and something years of being a state, we already have a ton of these. Yeah. Which, um, um I did the Haunted Oklahoma statewide book uh, this past year um, yeah. with Globe Pequot. And uh, since it was statewide, wanted to get as big of a uh, reach as I could. And like you said, you know, uh, 1800s with first Indian removal acts in the 1830s and then uh, land runs in the 1880s and 90s. Uh, but if you go back a thousand years, we're talking Spyro Mounds, right? Yeah. The old mound building cultures. And uh, there's ghosts attached to that. Uh, the Southwest all through the 1600s and 1700s had gold mining. And like, there's lots of uh, clear evidence. My, my favorites uh, talking about uh, Devil's Canyon, which I've talked oh, to numerous yeah. people who've been hiking there and um, had some really weird stuff happen. Down in That's the Wichita's weird. Quartz Mountain area, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous. Really cool hiking. Yeah. Uh, pick, a, pick a nice day. Uh, and you never know what you find. There was the good story of the kid in, I believe it was the 60s, who was out there hiking and, um, you know, just kid playing around. And it was after everything had been going through a huge rainstorm, so a big wash. And he found a bunch of guys in Conquistador armor. Well, skeletons in Conquistador armor just buried in one of the wall, walls. What? Falling away. Yeah. like And those were the guys who had been killed in the big fight with, uh, I believe it was the Pawnee from the mining days. And like, oh my gosh. yeah. So there's That's just amazing. so much of Oklahoma. Yeah. Wow. Do you have a, I know that we have, like, I'll get pitched some of these stories. Um, Cause we do, you know, like you wrote something recently for us about the Phantom mm-hmm. of Fairview, which is a story I'd love to talk about in a second, but mm-hmm. do you have a rule, a personal rule? Like we have something that's like, I don't want to do one of these things that there's a chance someone is still alive. Yeah. That's, I mean, just again, respect. Like, right. Like um, I get pitched just about once or twice a year, a story about the Girl Scout murders and I don't want to cover oh, it because yeah. those families are still around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think, I just don't think it's very cool to be like talking about haunting and ghosts of people who right. too soon. That's yeah. right. Like, yeah. And something tragic like that. So do you have a rule like that? Like, is there something that you kind of, are there some boundaries you won't cross when you write about this stuff? 
Yeah, which definitely respectability. Like even if it's yeah. something ancient, like if it's you know not something I want to repeat, then I'm not going to repeat it. Sure. Uh, and also, of course, run across the stuff that people just make up. Uh, which my right. my rule of thumb is I want to hear the same thing from two different sources, right? Okay. So two separate sources. So, so even if it is just made up, which a lot of stuff is just made up, uh, at least it's gotten into the folklore, right? So we're repeating this. So what does that tell us about ourselves? Yeah. yeah. So like the uh, the uh, Carrie Place here in Oklahoma City with the little girl who was murdered and they renamed the, the street after her. And you can go yeah. see the Hatchet House where if you say little Carrie, little Carrie, come out to play, the, the curtains will move back. Um, yeah, none of that's true. That's there was no the, little. That is one of the like very few weird experiences I've ever had was the Gatewood, the Gatewood Elementary. Oh, yeah. And that Gatewood Elementary, supposedly um, the one of the swings mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, it. It's not even an elementary school anymore. I don't even know if there's still a playground. But back in the day when I was about 13, a friend of my mom's took us by there uh, in the middle of the night. And it was a very still night and the swing was doing that. But like, you know, it's it was moving a little bit, but it was kind of like, I don't know. Is it moving? Like, could it just be a breeze? Like, it was kind of one of those you leave and you're like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. 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 Which that's, you know, that's the cool part of uh, urban uh, urban exploring, you know, and get those legend tripping and all, all kinds of just what's yeah. going on. And you so you can get the the legend and, and stuff built through. But then you can also get the true history, too, of Cary Lumber Company and the old yeah. uh, electric rail light. Nine that ever That's get what's by. fascinating to me about yeah. it is no matter what, there's real history behind it. You know, like I was sitting in a place you're talking about dousing rods earlier. I was sitting in a restaurant in Colgate one time interviewing some people for a story that wasn't about anything spooky or scary, but, uh, this guy just pointed at me and he goes, there's a body, there's a dead body buried right under where you're sitting (laughs) kind of out of nowhere. (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry, what'd you just say? Uh, and he said, well, I found it with a dousing rod. I can, he said he could witch a body, Wow. witch water. And he said he could witch a body if there's one under the floor of of this place. Um, I mean, that was just him saying that. So like, I don't know. And you know, God knows I had to them out to some of those old cemeteries. It's a really good restaurant. Yeah. Um, but it was fast. Yeah, exactly. Like when, and it was in Colgate, which had coal mines, you know, up Mm -hmm, and down mm -hmm. main street. So like it could, there's a lot of, I think there's probably a lot of anonymous death that happened in that, in that coal mining era that, you know, there, there could be people everywhere. Is there something, um, you know, like we talked about kind of how there's like a lot of these legends and we all sort of know them and they're all kind of the same uh, across the culture. Is there one thing like that that you're like, oh, that's definitely real? Or like if I had to decide yes or no, I would decide yes. Uh, well, I, too, am very, very skeptical. So I'm, I'm always hesitant to do any deciding. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah which gets me into trouble. I'll say this. What, is there time. one that you find more convincing than the others? So, um think speaking of the Fairview Phantom, um, because I just first heard that doing the research for Haunted Oklahoma. Uh, and, you know, that was the first time I heard it. And there was a little snippet in the newspaper after the first the first round of disappearance that, oh, it's now in Milan, Missouri. And like, oh, well, what happened there? And went up to the uh, newspaper office in Missouri to check all their stuff. And it talked about the ghost is back. And like, wait, it was here before and all this. And then uh, that turned me on to some of uh, Troy Taylor's research. And he had dozens and dozens and dozens of sightings of the same described, very thin, gaunt, usually woman, tall wearing all black and a veil, sometimes with a black cat, just over and over and over again from Pennsylvania to California uh, for decades. And something's going on. Like, uh, yeah. And it's the yeah. same passing through doors and nobody can ta- touch her if they reach out and like all this weird stuff that um, if you were just going to make it up, like, 
you know, that'd be one or two pranksters here and there. Yeah. But like dozens of towns over decades. What's going on? Who is this person? Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, we, it's, you have to take a minute to remember too, like there wasn't a Reddit where it could happen and two hours later, you could know about it halfway around the world. Right. Like it it wasn't like the unity of story could happen this quickly. Like it's, it's very unlikely that all these things, all these people made this up and had the exact same story. Right. Like that's, so it is fascinating. Um, this is very cool. I love this kind of stuff. Um, luckily the phantom of Fairview, that story happened. I want to say in the late 1800s. Uh, 1919. Yeah. 1919. Okay. So it was, it was just over a hundred years ago. So I'll just say listeners, if you've got a trip planned to Fairview, don't cancel it. It's a really nice town. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, she visited (laughs) and loved it. So yes, exactly. It's a really nice place. Um, Jeff, what, uh, what tours do you have coming up? This is going to air on the 30th of October. Um, So what do you have? uh, What do you have that's coming up that people might want to be interested in and want to take part in? So I'll be doing ghost tours this coming weekend. So November 3rd and 4th, uh, first in Norman and then up in Oklahoma City and uh, looking at doing one in Shawnee later in the month, too. So Halloween, I'm not done with it. Let's keep it going. I love it. I love it. And it's people can read people can find out all the information at jeffprovine.com. That's right. Yep. Follow the Eventbrite links or I've got my books listed there so you can check them there. Awesome. And it's Provine, P-R-O-V-I-N-E, Jeff, J-E-F-F, Provine.com. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show, man. We really, we appreciate it. You're uh, you're Absolutely. our Halloween special. I think oh, yeah. I'm just going to do this with you every year. We're just going to come and talk about scary Oklahoma stuff. Oh yeah. I'm going to never run out of stories. So let's do it. I love it. Thanks buddy. Have a good one. You too. I like him so much. Those tours sound really fun. I've been wanting mm-hmm. to do one forever and I never have. And I'm just, I feel so bad. It's one of those like things, the like Oklahoma things I feel bad about myself. For not I think done. it's so great that we have uh, someone here locally who is uh, just curating and sort of preserving all that. Uh, yeah. lore. And right. in the interview, he said something that I thought was really cool is that he's not doing it from like a paranormal kind of perspective, but from a historical one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the history of it that interests him. And he, he actually is kind of skeptical about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just finds the history of it really fascinating. And that's it's valuable it. cultural history. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think there's a lot of information contained in ghost stories. It's just not the information we necessarily think it is. Like right. what we believe about the afterlife and, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of things like that. It's really, it's interesting stuff. Whether You know, whatever you believe, it's I, I find it fascinating. Right. So It's now time to once again plumb the depths of TravelOK.com's calendar for our weekly pod vents. Uh, Megan? Sure. Great. Okay. I'm going to do it. I like this looser style. This is fun. I like calling for volunteers. Mm-hmm. Adventure begins in Frederick, Oklahoma, according to its Chamber of Commerce. So put this claim to the test and make your way to this southwestern city for the Cotton Festival and Chili Cook-Off on November 4th. What sort of adventures will you have? I'm told there will be cotton spinning, crafts, weaving, and local cotton gin tours. There will also be lots of chili, as the name implies. Visitors can fill themselves with all the beans and beef their systems can handle and then vote on their favorite teams. There will be plenty of inflatables for kids to jump around in, but make sure they hit the bounce house before you've stuffed them with chili. Mm. And, of course, this would not be an Oklahoma festival without a display of antique farm equipment and tractors and ample food vendors. Caramel apples, pie, and corn dogs will dominate this lineup of decadent treats. So after you've eaten, bounced, and been educated about cotton, you can 
can witness the coronation of Little Miss Cottonbull as she begins her reign over the people of Frederick, fueled by the fabric of our lives. Will she be a benevolent ruler, or will she crush her enemies one by one? Time will tell. For more information, visit frederickokchamber.org. Uh, that was funny. Wait, well, what was her title again? Little Miss Cottonbull is like Little Miss Cottonbull. Yes. The way you okay. described her, I'm just picturing like Tina Turner in Mad Max. <laughs> uh, we can only hope. <laughs> that is the kind of cotton queen I want to follow. Uh, well, this is a cultural treasure. Um, well, we got that in. That um, good. Let's see. Uh, who else? Who wants to be next? I'll go. All right, Carla. There's nothing like the life of a farmer. Waking up at sunrise to take care of the animals, growing crops to feed people around the world, running from the evil undead lest they consume your brains. Oh, wait, maybe that's just the Lexington zombie farm. Uh. (laughs) This is for anyone who's ever dreamed of surviving the zombie apocalypse, but if they're being totally honest, isn't the fastest runner or the best shot. The ghouls haunting the woods of Lexington aren't allowed to touch you on this particular weekend, so even if you get caught, you don't have to worry about joining the legions of undead. But it is very dark and scary, so since it's on November 3rd and 4th, it's the perfect weekend for those who just can't let Halloween die. General admission is $15, but there are discounts for children 8 and under, military and first responders. Check out facebook.com slash Lexington Zombie Farm for more information. It sounds like fun. It wow, does. It sound, I, love, I love haunted houses, but sometimes they can feel very claustrophobic mm-hmm. with all the flashing lights and stuff, and yeah. I think having it open is a yes. lot. Yeah, I definitely prefer open to uh, closed. Yeah. I I'd rather, I'd rather like a haunted I, corn maze than a haunted house. <laughs> I need to know yeah. I can just dart for the fence. At totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, what's your event? I'm excited about this one because it involves not just one of my favorite Oklahoma places, but a few of them. Because in northeastern Oklahoma, favorite place, is a town called Bartlesville, favorite place. And if you go about 11 miles outside Bartlesville into Osage County, favorite place, you'll find a beautiful destination called Woolerock, favorite place. And okay, it's not like you need an excuse to visit Woolerock. That place has it all. There are thousands of acres of scenic grounds, a menagerie of animals that include everything from bison to zebras. I really wanted to find something that started with A and I couldn't. (laughs) Uh, But bison to zebras, Frank Phillips Amazing Lodge, and a fine art collection that's one of the best in the state. And it is of that collection that I speak to you today because now through December 31st, Woolerock is holding its annual retrospective exhibit and art sale, which features 11 acclaimed landscape and wildlife artists from all over the country, including Tom Browning, Rosetta Santiago, Jane DeDecker, and Scott Burdick, to name just a few. Find a new piece of your own or just have a look at these magnificent works before some savvy collector snatches them up. Admission to the show is included in Woolerock admission, which is $14 for visitors 12 years old and up and kids under 12 are free. For more information, call 918-336-0307 or visit Woolerock.org. That's W-O-O-L-A-R-O-C.org. Antelope. Antelope. Do they have Ah, antelope? I bet they do even. (laughs) This is what I get for writing it like last thing before I go to bed. Well, thank you, Carly, for the... Uh, That's good. Yeah, antelope to zebra. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, antelope to the other antelope. <laughs> uh, all right, well, here's my event. Um, this week is uh, Halloween, and then after that's over with, it will finally be time for my favorite celebration of the year, Turkey Day. Guys, I'm going to stuff myself this year. I can't wait for all the classics. Euro kebab, uh, manti stuffed dumplings, baklava, kofta meatballs, stuffed grape leaves. What, you all have never had sarma before? 
Oh, I get it. You all think I'm talking about Thanksgiving. But no, when I say Turkey Day, what I'm really talking about is the Turkish Food Festival at Oklahoma City's Raindrop Turkish House. This year's festival is Saturday, beginning at 11 a.m. and lasting until 5 p.m. Check out all this glorious food that sadly will not be part of my Thanksgiving feast. I mean, I guess it could be. There's no law against it. Uh, It would be a welcome change, actually, but my mom doesn't know how to make any of that stuff, so we'll leave it to the (laughs) ones who do. Trust me, once you get a taste of the Turkish coffee, tea, and desserts, you'll be hooked for life. Best part of all, entry is absolutely free, but bring some cash because they'll have all kinds of goodies there for sale. For more information, call 405-702-0222 or visit facebook.com slash raindropokc. That's raindrop. OKC, one word. Hi, folks. Bridget, the podcast producer here. Unfortunately, the Raindrop House announced after this podcast recording that the Turkish Food Fest is postponed. But it's still a great event, so keep track of their social media and find out when it will be rescheduled. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. That place is supposed to be really cool. Oh, yes. And that's Saturday, November 4th? Uh, Yes. Uh, That's very exciting for me. Yes. (laughs) We should go. One of my favorite events. Yeah. It's It's close to my house, so I I would really like to go look I'd be down to check it out for uh, a nice lunch or... Yeah, totally. Well, and I think, like, one of the coolest things about that... I mean, the festival, obviously, is really neat that they invite people in and everything, but I just love these, like, cultural hubs that we have around the state, which is, like, people... People getting together and like mm-hmm. celebrating yes. by making their food and yeah. every it's That's just the so best cool. way to celebrate uh-huh. absolutely yeah. yeah like the um saint elijah orthodox the yes. greek festival oh, yeah. so it's really really, cool, really cool too uh-huh. yeah there's so many great ones like that i love that mm-hmm. good observation carly yes yeah um, yeah, and I think that's the whole point of the of the show that they do, or of the festival. Yes, yeah. that um, to introduce people to the Turkish culture. Yeah, we so. should definitely go to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm going to start giving out uh, my little star uh, star of the show uh, prize at the end what? of each episode. And this week, the winner is uh, Little Miss Cottonball. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Little Miss Cottonball. Long may she reign. Yes. Uh, the true royalty. That's awesome. That's awesome. But hey, if you like the show and you still can't get enough, head to OklahomaToday.com or pick up our latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at TravelOK.com and we'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a production of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tours and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoman Today editors Nathan Gunter, Carly Ybarra, Megan Rossman, and Ben Lucian. Theme song, editing, and production help by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Happy Halloween! Oh, good. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Good boo! <laughs> that was not as good. I'm ready for the baklava and the... Ah, yes. And the shawarma. Is that mm-hmm. what you're giving out when trick-or-treaters come to your house? No, baklava and they never come to my house. Because you don't turn your light on. Actually, I mean, I love Halloween, but I really do think you've got it figured out. Go buy a bunch of candy and then don't turn your light on. If they come, they come. Like, you know, only the bravest. <laughs> only the bravest. <laughs>